Just a personal anecdote here, Clay, to start this one off. Mm. I was um, yeah, I was driving I watched, too fast on the way home. <laughs> I was watching this one last night, and the day got away from me. We had a tremendous amount of laundry to do, and I was like, I got to fold all the laundry. We folded the laundry. It was late. It was late, late, late for me. It was like 11 o'clock, and I was like, ah, I have to watch the Voyager episode. I wasn't really upset that I had to watch a Voyager episode, but the point is it was late for me particularly. It was mm-hmm. like 11 mm-hmm. o'clock. I got to sit in bed and watch this Voyager episode, and I watched it, and... You didn't uh, make it all the way through. I didn't make it all the way through, but, well, I did, mm-hmm. but I definitely fell asleep at parts of it while watching it, and when mm-hmm. I, I got to the end, and it was 11.45, and I was like, I'm going to have to watch that one again tomorrow. I'm glad I did, because nothing <laughs> nothing I understood from the first watch carried through to the second one, and it would have been Ooh, a very interesting. interesting conversation if we were just talking about what my dream fugue state understanding of what this episode was, but... <laughs> I have to I have to not watch these late at night. Not for anything against Voyager, but it's just like it, it can really take a different turn in what I think the episode is actually about. But well, this one in particular was just it it was it, it all the talking is very quiet. Uh you got the nice ambient uh ship sound. Yep. And then on top of that, it's very dimly lit. It's dark. It's yeah. very dark. Emergency lighting is <laughs> so, in, in effect in this episode, yeah. So it was it was just built to put you to sleep, I think. It really was. And on a plot level, a lot of stuff just kind of changes throughout it. And when you wake yeah. up at random points, you're like, what the what the hell is going on here? So I'm glad I watched it again. You guys, I think, will enjoy the fact that I watched it again because we might have something to talk about. Let's get to it. It's called Cathexis, which is the 13th episode of the first season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on May 1st, 1995. Teleplay goes to Brandon Braga. Story credit goes to Brandon Braga and old friend Joe Minoski from TNG. Directed by Kim Friedman in Universe Date 4873.4.2, which is 2371. In this one, Voyager attempts to investigate the force that made Chakotay brain dead while an unknown entity <laughs> keeps turning them back. They say a lot of they say brain dead quite a lot in this episode. He's brain dead. How can this be? He's brain dead. It was probably a mid-90s thing. When was Terry Schiavo? That was early 2000s, right? Oh, boy. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Uh, I don't know. I think early, that was a Great Bush question. era thing, right? I think George, uh, yeah, W was president. I think so. That sounds right. Sounds like uh, there's a sort of a um, right-to-life movement that would have flourished under under George W. Bush, I think, would have been responding to Terry Schiavo. I just have that thing of her looking at the balloon that they used as like evidence that she was... Con- like conscious of things is that a balloon floating sure. over for people who sure. don't know terry shiva was a famous florida case of a woman who was declared brain dead but her family did not agree with that diagnosis and whether or not you could uh euthanize a person like that anyway cathexis let's start this one off hot <laughs> um <laughs> <Terry's> already there <laughs> baby <laughs> this episode other uh, famous comatose people from history <laughs> i'll give a an imaginary gift card to anyone who can remember how terry shivo became brain dead i can't remember off the top of my head but let's watching too much television watch, playing watch. too many video games <laughs> too much star trek voyager cathexis um i don't know do you want to start mm. this one off my my takeaway from this one is uh this is one of those star trek episodes that never really comes together by the end of it it's it's the kind of muffin where you take it out and it's a little soggy on the inside and you're like mm-hmm. i'll still eat this i guess <laughs> it should have probably been in there for a little bit longer but it's okay it's mm-hmm. fine but not great yeah <clears throat> i would agree with that um i i think this one is probably it's tough because i want to say it's like a rewrite or two away from being good yeah. but it's there's just it's really difficult because everything that's happening is is so dialogue and like tech based that um picking up on the cues and stuff like it's this this whole episode is essentially the crew kind of like speculating about what might happen in yeah. a very technical way cuz it's like they don't see this ghost alien thing and so they're just sort of speculating on what it might do 
uh, which is, you know, riveting television. And um, <clears throat> I what thought it nebula, was odd that... the nebula might be, what might be in this nebula. Yeah. What, yeah. You never see any of this stuff. It's it's entirely inside the ship. Um, I thought it was odd that half like halfway, three quarters of the way through the episode, I realized that they hadn't mentioned Chakotay since that one scene where they brought him in at yep. the beginning. Yep. Um, so that was strange. <clears throat> Even though I figured, I figured, I I assumed correctly what was going on at least in regards to him. Um. But like he fell away in a way that felt strange. Uh, it, it opens with one of the more useless cold opens they've done. Probably the most useless yeah, cold open they've done. Yeah, <clears throat> I was waiting for that to come back in some fashion, but it didn't. Um, the most interesting idea here is probably that they, <laughs> how quickly Janeway is is willing to turn over control of the ship to the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor kind of being like, "Ooh, I don't really know if this is the best best thing to do here." But like that was kind of interesting. But other than that, yeah, it, it was kind of like a mystery plot that didn't really didn't really work for me because um, I didn't really find the problems that interesting. Yeah, and I, I, although I I do find it hilarious that they can eject the warp core and then circle back around and just plug it back in, just suck it back in. It's fine. It's just disconnecting a cable. Um, yeah, when I did that, <laughs> when I did that uh, sort of stream of a Star Trek's Hidden Evil game a couple of months ago, that's how that game ends, where you, you eject the warp core and you save the day, and that's the end. Roll credits. Um, <laughs> I thought that this one, this one to me, I don't know how to describe it really. It felt, it, it felt disjointed, I guess, would be my description of it, where... It felt like a lot of different bits and pieces were kind of coming in together in a way that didn't make sense, like the Bronte-style um, Janeway holodeck program uh, at the very start feels odd. Sort of just picking up Tuvok and Chakotay from an accident felt odd. You know, like just yeah. kind of you just pick them up from a shuttlecraft and what, what they've been mm-hmm. doing. I thought that the... I felt that the characters never really treated the situation appropriately for how weird yeah. the stuff that was going on. And I feel that I feel what this show was trying to do was it was trying to do like a paranoia thriller, which I feel like the show has actually done before in a better way already in mm-hmm. the season. Um, side tangent. I feel like, I feel like Voyager is already kind of repeating things. I was like another holodeck episode. Why do I need another holodeck episode? I don't need that. Uh, but I feel they've done paranoid thrillers better than this. And well, I think that this series in particular is kind of ripe for that. Like who can you trust between the Maquis and just the situation of being out there? I never felt like this one worked for some reason. It never felt like the paranoia was yeah. good enough. Where, Cause as you were saying, Janeway's just like, well, we can't trust anybody. I'll just let everybody else do everything on the ship at all times. And that'll solve right. the problem. And it goes, I don't know if this is really logical or if this is the best way to go about it the best scene in my opinion is um i don't think janeway even realizes it but it's it's when they're in the janeway ready room with tuvok and she's like she's talking about injuring Cass, and he's like i might have done that and she's she has this look of like oh my god this guy's the murderer but it doesn't seem to be connecting the dots at that point yeah it's a weird way to start things off when you have the paranoia element building off of tom paris being accused of doing something and he's like i didn't do it and jane was like yeah i know i believe you it's fine but you know let's just be on our time like it's it's so abstract what they're dealing with because we're not seeing anything and there's no is there's nothing um tangible that's been really introduced to cause this paranoia like it's both something that cannot be physically seen but is something that does exist if if you know what i mean like it's not people it's not like them going nuts right and uh <clears throat> developing paranoia that's causing them like infighting it's like something is actually happening and the paranoia while warranted feels kind of weightless because there's not really a clear sense of what 
this thing is trying to do or and you've got two of them bouncing you've got chakotay you got a good one and a bad one both kind of doing stuff independently so it's not really clear you only learn that at the end though that like i think that that's actually kind of an interesting twist is is that idea but because but as what you're saying it does confuse things because you're like what's the motivation for this ghost like what's actually going on here it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah because you've got like you've got them flying into the nebula but then being reprogrammed to fly away from the nebula which is clearly chakotay's doing yeah but in the moment you don't know that but so when you combine these two things and you've got chakotay trying to get them away from the nebula and ejecting the warp core but you've also got this other more malevolent force doing i'm not i don't honestly the 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 big things were really chakotay i actually don't really remember a lot of what the bad one did before it took over tuvok just knocking people out and trying to get them into the nebula like taking out kess because kess is a threat oh sure sure but yeah it's a little bit it's a little bit muddy as to like what exactly the stakes are and who's going where and and why they're doing it so it's it's difficult to um build effective uh character paranoia based on that. and again it's so much of it is like just techno stuff yeah where it's them standing over a, a control pad talking about how well nobody would have rewired this thing to make them go over here that's very suspect so maybe we should think about putting this sort of demagnifying Superstronic things like well if we do that then who knows what will happen yeah it's like, oh, I, I don't know i don't know <laughs> you sounds me, bad though you, you tell me show so i guess that comes to the first mm. big decision point you have in terms of the narrative here was it a mistake to hide tuvok so for for me this was interesting because my mm. first watch of it last night when i was sort of sleepy i did not pick up on tuvok for a lot of the time. I was actually, mm-hmm. surprisingly, they have a guest actor called like Lieutenant Durst in this that the camera is focusing on all the time. Is, and that, I'm going, the, is that the guy who's like kind of balding? Yeah, the balding guy. Yeah. And the camera yeah. is so focused on him whenever he comes in and he has like five different lines. I'm like, that's clearly the alien dressed up like a human and he's the one pulling all these levers. And that's not the case. But I was wondering... Well, first of all, did you pick up that it was Tuvok early on before they make the reveal? Uh, not really, because okay. <clears throat> the whole thing felt so amorphous to me that even when they were starting to lay that groundwork, it wasn't landing with me because I didn't know if I should be tracking this or if, like, I didn't know if the implication is that he's he was possessed the whole time mm-hmm. or if he is newly possessed i wasn't totally sure i mean once they did the thing with Cass, i was like oh yeah well he just he gave her the vulcan neck bench or whatever but his um, excuse is legitimate there when he's like well i got possessed for a second and i must have knocked her right. out you go i guess that makes sense that's true right but like yeah before that i mean i didn't i don't i wasn't tracking that stuff because i wasn't they weren't really tracking that stuff, so I wasn't really tracking it and i don't know i just found it difficult to to follow exactly how this thing was really supposed to play out other than it could be any one of us and that is that the, aside from that it wasn't really uh catching me is that the story mistake so i guess your other direction here in a true paranoid thr- uh, well, i don't know if it would make it a paranoid thriller but if you expose tuvok early i don't know mm-hmm. if it changes the episode for the better or for the worse i i think that i kind of liked the tuvok twist maybe just because i did not see it it's not a twist, but when they reveal that Tuvok is the one that's been carrying this whole thing, I was mm. not really aware of that. And he, because he's acting so, they use the Vulcan nature of Tuvok pretty well to hide the fact that he's this alien creature because he's the one that doesn't change what he's talking about or he doesn't change the tone of his voice yeah. when he's talking things. Yeah. And I thought that that was, I thought that that was good. Mm. And watching it again today, I was actually struck by he's frequently doing things that are kind of suspicious in the background of the show mm-hmm. the whole time. And I didn't notice that the first time. Like he shows up in um, the sick bay, I think, and the doctor's like, what are you even doing in here? And he's right, like, I'm just doing right. something back here. And you go, oh, maybe it's Tuvok doing something. But it makes more sense on rewatch. And I might have just been too slow or uh, sleepy to catch it the first time. But it was something I enjoyed. And I thought it played into the paranoid thriller aspect a little bit better. 
So I don't know. It just I don't know why it didn't really grab me. I think it's because yeah. there weren't enough scenes like the Janeway and Tuvok where they're like, you're the one who did this, aren't you? But without actually saying it to each other. I, I could have done with more of that instead of what feels like five different sequences of like, who pushed the button? Who pushed the button? Tom, did yeah, you push the button? <laughs> it's like, And it's right. also tough. It's also tough because there, unless this thing, so they, they established that this thing can jump bodies, right? So unless it is in one specific body, then those scenes where they're arguing with each other kind of start to lose a little bit of heat because the excuse is, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I did. I, I, blacked out or something and i may i maybe i did it uh, who's to say yeah so it's like there's no like if if you when they like when they catch when they when they uh when um tuvok i mean who he may have been lying i'm not sure but uh when tuvok is tells paris oh we found your we found your dna in that room <laughs> i don't know what he was doing that, in that room slathered all over that console yeah. um but like and and at that point, it's like they kind of know what's going on and what's Paris to do other than go, I I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it was me. I, I don't know what happened. So it's really <laughs> difficult to like get into right. an argument about that stuff if this thing is jumping bodies and the people who it's jumping into don't recognize. Actually, my favorite scene was the um, the first conference room scene. I, mean, I, I think it was the first one. A because I noticed how dark it was. Is it is it actually because they put on emergency lighting? I don't know why? why it's so dark. That's what that's what my assumption was, but I have no idea. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's so dark, and then uh, they basically all pull their guns on Harry, on Harry Kim because he just kind of like his mind Daydream. wanders for a second. He's daydreaming, <laughs> and i i actually I actually really appreciated that because I thought it was funny, and it also had shades of the most uh the, the highest tension level of of the pandemic mm. where if you're in mixed company in 2020 and you like clear your throat everybody just immediately like looks at you like and then off of that the way that they're start trying to rationalize this stuff it's like okay well if you if you were near him then you might have might have jumped into you which means it could have possibly jumped into any one of us it, we have no proof that it's done that and none of us have like tested for space ghost or whatever mm -hmm. but who's to say where it could have gone maybe we shouldn't do anything and that was like i had that conversation over christmas <laughs> because i was we were all supposed to go to new hampshire and one person sat next to someone at work who ended up with covid mm -hmm. and so it was like all right who goes do they stay home do we isolate this person does everybody just not go like so it had some of that to it which i i found oddly timely yeah but as a thriller i think it's missing something it's missing <clears throat> it's missing something a bit more um plainly clear as to what the negative thing they're being drawn towards is like yeah. if, like if i don't know i it's it doesn't need to be like literally a ticking time bomb, but something where it's like lack of villain. If yeah, it, yeah, or just like a th like a thing where it's like they don't find out that even even at the end when it's like it's drawing us back towards the nebula, and someone's like, "Why would it be doing that?" And they're like, "I don't know. Like maybe it wants our brains or something. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Like nobody really knows what's going on." So if there was a little bit more cl clarity as to what the thing that they were driving, like the what the edge of this waterfall is, so as they get closer and the tension gets larger and larger, it's like okay, well you're getting you got to figure this out because you're about to go over the cliff. I think that would work a little bit more, but yeah, by the end of as they got to the end of this, I was like, I'm not even really sure what is up with the nebula. And then this is the second episode in a row that ends with the ghost thing just going whoop. And just yep. like zipping off Flies out of the off. ship, never to be seen again. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I don't know how else to really describe it. I, I just think that the, the main storyline is lacking clarity as to what the antagonistic forces are. There's like because I, I think it, 
I think it spends time trying to switch to keep the audience entertained about like what the problem is. So they reveal that Tom Paris has done something. You're like, oh, that's weird. He must be under control or something. You kind of guess that. Then it's trying to figure out where this thing is going to take you. Then it's trying to figure out like who is the thing, blah, blah, blah. Then it's the the Tuvok reveal. Then it's the Chakotay twist. The Chakotay is out there too. And I think that um, in terms of the opening part, one of the things I was reading on Memory Alpha for it was that uh, there was a little bit of a disagreement between Pillar and Braga about this one where Pillar wanted it to be a little bit more of a paranoia episode about like who can you trust in this kind of a situation. Yeah. And Braga's point, which I think is kind of fair, is that it's tough to do in Star Trek because it seems weird when the characters are very suspicious of each other right away. Sure. Which is the, the, sure. That's where the – that's why it feels kind of strange but also charming when – when they're like, who turned the ship around? And they're like, it says Tom Paris did. He goes, I didn't do it. They all go, you probably didn't do it. There must be another yeah. reason why this well, has happened. Yeah. <clears throat> Generally, I would agree, and I don't necessarily disagree here. But if the core concept of your show is two groups of people that have very differing views about what should be done, and there's an inherent mistrust and paranoia built into the concept, yeah, then maybe it's a little bit easier to do an episode like this if that's something you've been playing up. But or if Seska was still the show around. has not really, you know, if they kept the Seska character, Seska would be sure, a character yeah. who's ideal for that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I um, and I think that the other kind of weird thing that I didn't really think about until I got to the end of it, and then I had to think about it, is that um, there has to be a, a little bit of a weird distinction be- in that Chicote is not like the aliens because Chicote mm-hmm. cannot make people talk. And explain, wait a minute, I'm Chakotay. Like, there's right. an alien on board. So he's a little bit stuck in that he can only inhabit people and make them do things, but he doesn't have the full power of the alien to to talk and communicate, which is a little bit of a downside for poor Chakotay, who's um, also very memorable in this episode for his little, his like Native American Ouija board <laughs> on the wall, which is another yeah. fantastic thing that is. A terrific hell of a, I don't even know if you call it a MacGuffin, but whatever you call like a just sort of this like way to get out of the end of an episode in two minutes, Man, this is how you do it. That when, when they were like, put the star chart on top of this rock calendar and it lines up with the, the planets, I was like, give me a fucking break. Like, it's not even straight on. Yeah. Like they had to like it's like an an angled <laughs> shot of the thing that lines up perfectly with this star chart and I'm like come on guys. My favorite, I I did like the uh the moment where uh the doctor is sort of pretending to Bolano explain about what this is and he's like well by the way you've lined it up here this is Ch- Chicote gets assaulted by like unicorns or something. In this. No, it was it was something. It was like he goes to the den of the fox women or something yeah. like that because he was like, it sounds like he might not come back if that's what you're sending. He knows a lot. He's read up on whatever I, that that belief system is. That that stuff is so frustrating. I wish I didn't know that they had a like a cultural advisor who was completely full of shit because you can tell that they are trying to treat that stuff with some reverence. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they invented this thing whole cloth for the episode, I don't know, but let's say they didn't and they thought it was based on something real. Like they are trying to treat this stuff respectfully, but knowing that this guy was just making it up makes it that much harder to uh, uh, to watch. Unfortunately, yeah, I don't. And even on a, a personal Chicote level, it seems odd to me. Um, it's just it's a it's a weird meshing of he's a pretty straight ahead, straight laced guy except when there's some allegory that can be explained with native american imagery and then he's he's all about that at the same it's it's a weird well, yeah. it's a weird cutting back and forth because it doesn't i i don't feel like chicote um inhabits that personality except when it's needed in terms of a script like he he's he doesn't yeah. as a character and as like a first <clears throat> officer and particularly when he's dealing with uh the other maquis and stuff like that he doesn't strike me as Let's pull out the the rock board and see what that thing says. He seems much more straight ahead at that point. Yeah, I I think it stands out mostly because he's been a little bit underwritten um, up to this point, and so <clears throat> having him be such a kind of middle of the road character who also has this 
sort of uh, stereotypical trope attached to him um, makes it feel that much awkward, that much more awkward. But I, I would, I mean, I know people who are more Chakotay types who you wouldn't realize that they have uh, a certain religious faith until it comes out in some specific conversation or, or uh, applied to a certain situation. You know, so I, I don't find his. <clears throat> I don't find his constant the concept of that too distracting, but when it has when they've used him more often than not as a you know ancient Chinese proverb says type character, it's like all right, well this is not as this is not the kind of um, cultural respect I think that they're trying to trying to get across here. Well, yeah, I could. Well, I guess that that kind of proves my point in that like if you know someone who's deeply devout but isn't on their sleeve with it there are ways to bring that out in a way that is like you can be talking about something and their opinion of that will become clear by how they treat the subject matter so chicote has never treated a command decision as his native american stuff is mostly a prop on the side it's not like it's integral to him as how he interacts with people or how he views things it's never jna's never said let's go into that nebula and he said well my people believe that going into nebulas is not a good idea or something like that he's he's never fully he just knows how to himself he knows how to he knows how to separate church and state as it should be (laughs) i'm sure there are plenty of i'm sure there are plenty of uh high-ranking people in the military who are devout christians who or devout anything who don't uh, bring that into play whether or not they have to bomb a certain village or something. But are they hanging up their <clears> rock <throat> boards above above their their cots? <laughs> I don't know. I, I it's fine. It's more. It's funny. Like in some ways, what Chicote does in this episode is almost unprecedented in a Star Trek episode, which is to not do anything at all, but also be the person who saves the day. Like they have, right. to have the yeah. actor not do anything. <laughs> it is it is the most Chicote role so far, where he's <laughs> he's there, but he's not really there. But he also is crucially there. Crucially there in the last couple minutes, he solves everything. Yeah, it, it's it's fine. It Who is. was checking on him? Cass got knocked out, mm-hmm. and the doctor got shut off. Yeah. Who's checking his brain waves and shit, or there's lack nothing. thereof? Yeah, there's nothing there. He's just just hanging out. They don't explain how they cure him, do they? How, how does that happen? Uh, the doctor just wakes up know. and fixes him, right? I, well, that's what I was wondering through most of the episode because I was like, I'm pretty sure this is gonna be resolved with Chakotay being one of these ghosts or the ghost or whatever. And I was thinking, well, if he can fly into people's bodies, why can't he just fly into his own body and get his brain back? Yeah, but you know, he seemed to not have as much control over it as the uh, the the native ghosts did. No. Uh, so who knows? I don't know. It's pretty wishy-washy what exactly, um, I mean, obviously it's a sci-fi concept, but like what caused him to become a ghost in the first place is ex- extremely right. unclear to me. Yeah. 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 Do, I think got- if I remember correctly, I think when they reactivate the doctor, when he wakes up Chicote, he has some techno babble reason as to how he managed to, to wake him up or something. I forget. Yeah. And I think what triggered him is when the ship got attacked. Actually, I don't know. Did the did the the ghost spirit, the actual alien, try to knock him out first, and that caused his problem, or did it take over Tuvok and Tuvok attacked him, and something happened? I don't know if they ever clarified no what happened. No idea. It's just a weird. It's a weird situation. Um, I guess that's pretty much it for Cathexis. We can move on to patron thoughts. I don't. Do you do you know where what the title means? Is it yeah, it means uh, intense focus of one's energies on like a specific topic or person. Ah, so so, so to, it's like most Twitter handles about like Dragon Ball Z yeah, and stuff, yes. or BTS, becoming yeah. obsessed with a certain topic and <clears throat> pouring all your energy into it. Um, visit my visit my uh, mashup, Chris Evans BTS Dragon Ball Z <laughs> fan page on Twitter. <laughs> All true loves come together. All right, so I guess we'll go to patron thoughts uh, at that point. Unless you have anything else you want to say about this one. Kind of an underwhelming episode, but we'll get to our final thoughts about it. 
Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty much it for me. Oh, I did, I did um, <clears throat> get a little bit of a chuckle out of Paris, uh, fondly remembering hanging out with Doc Brown because yeah. obviously evoked images of Tom Paris and uh, Doctor Emmett Brown from yeah. Back to the Future hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> and and there was another funny moment that was. Um, uh, when Paris and Janeway are in the sick bay, and she's in, I think it's after the doctor. Yeah, it must be because Janeway's like, "Well, with the doctor out of commission, she's like, Paris, you're now the doctor." And it cuts to him, and he's just like, "Yeah." <laughs> she walks out. <laughs> it's it's a funny level of um, it's a, it's a funny runner that they have for for Paris at that time. Yeah, those those scenes were the scenes in this show in this episode were very strange because I thought Kate Mulgrew was doing a pretty good job with the stuff that they gave her <clears throat> and but it was like they were leaving it all on she's got these scenes with tuvok and she's it's like tuvok isn't emoting right. and so all of the paranoia and stuff is laid on her shoulders and so you've got this scene with tuvok where she's talking about how okay oh, the uh, the doctor's been shut down and she's like well maybe then the codes need to be sent back to me and Tuvok's like, yes. And she's like, what? Well, but what if I split them? And if I split them, who would I split them with? And Tuvok's just like, me, I guess. Yeah. And she's like, well, if I split them with you, then maybe that's exactly what the ghost wants us to do. And he's yeah. and Tuvok's like, yes, possibly. And it's just, <laughs> it, like she's really doing her best yeah. to try and sell this stuff. Um, and I thought she was good. And I'm. I am also still. I'm very interested in this new hairdo they have for her because it's somehow short and long at the same. Like I can't tell if she got a haircut mm. or if they are just tying it all up, restyling it in a certain way. Because it looks like she got a haircut. She looks like she got a bunch of it chopped off. But it's interesting. I think it's a pretty good look. Yeah, she's. Um, I thought this was a. I don't know what to think about. Uh, Mulgrew's performance at points here. Um, I thought that this episode is a good thing that I think about her occasionally is that she's not the best actor at reaction shots, I don't think. And I don't know mm-hmm. why. It's not that she's like, I'm not like, oh, that's not the face you need to be making at this point. It seems okay, but it seems like overdone a lot of the time. Like a lot of mm-hmm. um, a lot of scenes before they cut to commercial We'll have a character say something, and it cuts to Janeway, and it looks like she just saw a child get hit by a car or something. They'll be like, right. they'll be like, he's brain dead. It goes, oh my god, and then it cuts to black. And I think she, I don't know, it's like she overreacts or something to it, or they just mm-hmm. do that reaction too often. I think maybe is that Janeway reacts to something surprising is the way that the script ends, and it goes and it's just like that. So I don't know. I think she was, she's fine, obviously. We'll see how she develops and things like that. But she's she's a, a somewhat unsettled character to me at this point. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the content today. This was Cathexis. If you enjoyed it, you can go to patreon.com slash thepenskyfile. It's the best way to support the show. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash thepenskyfile. A couple dollars a month and you get extra stuff, extra podcasts, a whole bunch of them. There's like 100 something, 150 of them at this point. Clay and Amanda do their Stephen King second stringers. We have the Star Trek coverage of Picard and Strange New Worlds. There's the badass stuff. Whole bunches of stuff. Content consumption. Patreon.com slash Bell. And as always, our Captain Tia supporters get a special thank you. Special thank you goes to Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Andrew Sherlock, Joint Mango, Christian Pouch, Carol Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergey, Brendan Howells, Grim Santos, uh, Sean, Bradley Killens, Fall 13 Hero, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Darth Moss, Russell Elge, Stephen Minton, HH28, Zarek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jake123, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Poindexter G, Barry Wallace, Jimmy Crow, Captain Brazen, Eric Avila, Jakey's Gamer, Kamer, Kevin Lowry, Nick the Rat, William Scheisler, Rahan Jaffer, Grapple John Zone, Zane Majors, Olivia Pardo, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter, CWNF Remixes, Captain McMunchas and James McLennan, Jonas, Tommy Tango, Dizabrota, Tumix Must Die, Admiral Nakamura, Ed Mark Starr. Hit the button, go to the next page. Chris McLaughlin, Royo, Jeremy, Jeremy Boudreau, Raging for the Machine, J Man, Alec DeWolf, The Undiscovered Mugato, Robbie Duffield, Daniel Adam, Will Clay, Atanga Udom, Atorius, and Zalen Maru. Thanks, everybody. Did, uh, did you say Dave Davies? Is he still a patron? I think I did. Okay. We haven't, we haven't I- lost him, right? Let me say, it's I was weird wondering, to single him out, I, but I think he's out here. 
I only say it because I was I was out at Record Store Day this past weekend. He is here. Dave Davies I, is still I, with us. I came across a Dave Davies album, and I was like, I feel like I haven't heard his name in the list lately. But I guess you just go through them so quickly. I just I, yeah, I just miss it. he's between Patrick Seba and Point Extra G. So next time people want to listen for him, there he is, Dave Davies. Which we just for anyone who's who's joined us newly for Voyager, sure. that is in fact Dave Davies, of the- <laughs> brother of Ray Davies, guitar player for the Kinks. Just uh, you can he's got the blue check mark on Twitter. All right, so let's go to patron thoughts. If you're a patron at the five dollar and up level, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes, and we read them. Here we go. Norman Buckwald says, "Cathaxis, this is a love hate episode for me. The premise is atrocious, along with Janeway's Bronte holodeck, and the only possession is so typical at this point that it's eye rolling." Still, it's a decent ensemble episode, but just like the previous week where Harry Kim was a main figure but not actually in it, we get one week later with Chakotay, which, considering the series as a whole, is kind of ironic. 2.5 stereotypical medicine wheels out of five. So I think they missed an opportunity with that opening sequence. If they had done the turn of the screw, I think it would have been a lot more appropriate for the story. Yeah, because the, the turn of the turn of the screw is a story about a uh, uh, a governess who is put in, in charge of these two children, and she believes that there is a ghost haunting the place that's possessing the children and making them do these uh, crazy things around the house. And like, I, I think that would have been a much more appropriate lead in, and wouldn't just feel like five minutes of fan fiction or just watching Janeway. We'll get to. I'll, I'll, do nothing i'll but. read i'll read i'll skip ahead here but kyle barrett says cathexis we get our first glimpse at janeway's hollow novel which has henry james's turn of the screw as one of its inspirations ah because I, the- I i got a lot of i got a lot of vibes from it but it wasn't quite the same so maybe maybe they that's didn't quite what they get were going to the, for and yeah they didn't get to the thrust right. of what the story is about <laughs> right <laughs> they just yeah. wanted you to, to recognize it if you if you if you're referencing the first like 10 pages of turn of the screw in your story about possession and ghosts you're kind of missing the mark with that one a bit yeah it yeah. feels it feels pretty generic uh early european writing uh right the turn of the screw is one of its inspirations because when you're the female captain of a lost ship whose orders are constantly being questioned you want to escape by playing a 19th century governess who nobody believes and is treated like a paranoid hysteric how relaxing. So much is thrown at this episode from Evil Dead camera moves to the ancient Native American tradition of magnets, but none of it is in service of anything. It's fun and there's some creepy moments, but there's no character work going on. Maybe if the recent Seska reveal made everyone untrustworthy and paranoid and the possessions were an outlet to explore that, it'd be better. I do like to focus on Janeway and Tuvok's relationship, however. Three random shots of Durst to set him up for the next episode out of five. And they left that microphone on Durst when he went to the holodeck bathroom i know and he admitted to I killing them all killed them all i i possessed them all man um, talk about died. the talk He's about the, yeah yeah talk about the best fight a, a six episode documentary series that earns that six episode by giving you that shit at the end you're like okay i get it <laughs> i see why you were hanging on to all this stuff He's even just, though even though not that i need to go to bat for robert robert durst I think that quote is not exactly what people think it is, but it's still pretty damning either way. But what do you mean? The, his bathroom quote, quote you're talking about? <clears throat> yeah, I because I, everybody read that as basically him confessing to doing it, but I think he was actually just talking to himself and saying something like, "You know what? What do they want me to say? Oh, they want me to say that I killed them all. Obviously, like that kind of yeah, that kind of thing. Sure, I don't think yeah. it's him actually being like." I killed everybody. Is this mic on? You know, yep. <laughs> but uh, doesn't matter. He went to jail. He's dead. Yeah, that's fair. Crap, so. I don't remember. I don't remember the context. I suppose, but I, I think what you're saying sounds believable for Mister Mister Durst. I could be completely wrong, but that was my memory of it. But uh, you know, follow my other fan page <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> my my Chris Evans BTS Robert Durst fan page. There's no, just yeah. Combine Robert Durden, Durst and Fred Durst, and do something with. Oh <laughs> with boy! That, I suppose the Durst brothers. 
James McLennan says, I had to look this up on Memory Alpha to remember it, and I still sort of don't, even after reading what it was about. I remember the terrible gothic novel being terrible, and then Chakotay is a spirit possessing people. Well, I like Chakotay's spiritual side and the guide animals in the cloud, even though it's probably a very inaccurate depiction of Native American culture. Here, the inclusion of these elements feels cheap. One out of five. Eric McGowan says, I don't hate this one, even though I will admit it's highly flawed. I think it's neat that the crew has to go against their security chief and that Tuvok being a Vulcan helps insulate him from the immediate suspicion. The stuff about Chakotay's ghost, though, oof. I, um, the, the, I don't know if it was intentional, but the, the moment that cracked it for me when I was like, oh, Tuvok's definitely the guy is, um, Janeway's like, why, why is this ghost picking on you? And he goes, well, I am the chief of security. <laughs> that's not a that's not a good reason, Tuvok. You need to come mm-hmm. up with something better than that. Oh. Jonas says, Cathexis, we almost got another hollow novel episode. Jane Eyre starring Jane Way. I like that. That's good. I enjoyed the soft Native American sounding music that plays whenever Bolano manipulates Chicote's spirit wheel, reminiscent <laughs> of Miyagi's theme from the Karate Kid series. Superimposing brain waves onto brains is a bit of a stretch. Four out of five. Well, wow. Okay, didn't see that coming. Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> as much like the Chicote ending of this episode. That rating came out of nowhere. Yeah, he just he just walked into the bathroom with his mic on and said, <laughs> four out of five. <laughs> Cathexis is from That Kid Ben. I get it. It's not bad, but I think whatever Janeway's hollow novel was about seemed to be more interesting. Three possessed crew members out of five. Latte Librarian says, why couldn't Chakotay have written a note or spoken to someone? Two hollow novels out of five. Writing a note makes sense. I didn't think about that. Yeah, he doesn't talk to anyone, but he should. Well, there's no pens in Star Trek. There's no paper and pens. It's just bulky bulky <laughs> tablets that only do one thing <laughs> so you need seven of them aaron million says why did the healing wheel remind me of the big wheel from the price is right probably because i wished i had watched that instead of this episode <clears throat> this is similar to another bad episode in the first season of a star trek show teen g's lonely among us where an alien energy inhabits wharf dr crusher and picard two healing wheels out of five it is similar to that and that's a very that is a terrible episode Matt Ross says, I get images of TOS's blink of an eye as Spirit Chakotay, instead of Spock, flits around the ship doing whatever he can to save it. I hear, can hear Berman asking why they couldn't go down to the realm of antelope women on that fake spirit wheel. The idea of an alien takeover is interesting. Janeway's gothic porn, not so much. Beyond the meaningless slow open, the darkened colors was strange, and the wide beam phaser shot. Oh, the wide beam phaser shot was good. Overall, was this was a meta commentary on the character Chakotay being brain dead? Three holoporns out of five. I I actually hope that they do give everybody their own um hollow yeah hollow storyline because it is interesting to see what each character chooses. I think that's a, an interesting way uh way to characterize someone is like, well what are they going to choose when they go on the holodeck? Are they yeah. going to choose Beowulf or are they going to choose, you know, Charlotte Bronte or something. Yeah, and so far I only like Tom Paris's, really. Yeah, Beowulf, yeah. Beowulf was not good. Um, I, I honestly forgot that that was the last episode we did, uh, just because of how little that uh, whelmed me. <laughs> and I don't. Is it too? Is it too cliche for a female captain to pick this type of story? Maybe not cliche, but like I was, I was kind of expecting more mm. from her. Honestly, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect what my wife would pick to do like it just seems like she's not right, a different character right. or something i don't know yeah i kind of think like what 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 do you choose i mean we talked about this last time but like sorry, i think about when i do care oh no 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 go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say when i do karaoke right like i i, I played in a band I, I was the lead singer in a band for a bunch of years and i knew i knew what was in my wheelhouse to sing you know and in the wheelhouse for the band to say to, to play so when I would do karaoke, that would be the time where I'd be like, well, I know this is not really in my way. I kind of think that, like, I think I can do this, but this is not something is it like I would a play comedian testing out material. You're just like, here's some yeah. stuff to see how this goes. Yeah. So like, you know, if in the band we're playing like, you know, uh, uh, WAP. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, if we're playing like Bad Company or something, right? It's like, okay, play bad. It's, it's more or less kind of down the middle. If I do karaoke, that's when I want to do like Meatloaf or something big, something mm-hmm. that I, I wouldn't sing in a band. You know, So that's what I – you would think it would be more like that where it's – and maybe that is. Maybe that there is some – if you look at what Janeway chose versus what she does as a job, I don't know. Maybe not. Who knows? I found it interesting that, um, right the the head honcho all empowered. Uh, the buck stops with me. Female captain of a starship goes into a women are submissive right. era of theme. I thought that that was kind right. of fascinating where she's like, you will do what the Lord says and she's like, yes, my Lord, I will do what it was like, well, this is <laughs> this is some psychosexual shit going on here. They didn't comment on that though, but I thought that was weird that the captain of these shows would go into something where what would that, that would be like Picard being like What's that? That would be like Picard choosing to be, I don't know, what I said, like Theon Greyjoy in Game of Thrones or something. It's like, what the, why are you choosing this? This is a strange decision. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's weird about it. I want to see I want to see someone I want to see a frustrating holodeck experience mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, it either doesn't it, it doesn't go the way they thought it was or this isn't a good program for them so they kind of hate it but they also don't want to stop it because it's the only holodeck time they got this week. <laughs> they have to you know what I mean? It. Where something it's a bad book where they have yeah. to get to the end of it. They're like, "Yeah, oh, there's two more chapters of this hollow novel." Yeah, I and I thought they were going to do more with it where it was like finally i have time off to spend in the holodeck and then like every couple seconds she was going to be getting a message or something where she like can't yeah she can't get the time to herself i wasn't expecting just you know the first act of a uh of a drawing room drama that's true there's a, a lot of interruptions on in the holodeck people are constantly getting pulled pulled out of it Undiscovered Mugato says, Cathexis, I liked this plot better the first time when it was in Phage. No, actually I didn't. And I'm certainly not looking forward to Janeway burning precious power rations on Jane Eyre. But while the decorations in the sick bay are cooler this time, it's hard to watch this episode and not be reminded that the Native American consultant on Voyager was a fraud. I'll just hush my mind and believe that Chakotse's people traditionally employed a magnetic version of Settlers of Catan to guide their spirits. Two sheep ports out of five. Always go sheep. Sheep and wood. Point XG says, Janeway has poor taste in holodeck programs. That may be the most boring thing to ever go down on the deck. The reveal that there were two entities, the alien and Chicote, is somewhat clever, but the mystery of what was going on never really grabbed me. The doctor was good in this one, so I guess there's that. Cropley John Zorn says, I had to look this word up. It seems like the writer's room for this series is so fond of technobabble that they literally thumb through the dictionary for words they like the sound of without caring what they mean. That said, I didn't enjoy this one. I'd rather have cathexis inserted into my vacuole than watch this one. <laughs> vacuole was the word that he was talking about last time, if people remember, for whatever the uh, emanations, that episode. I'm proud of myself for remembering that. I definitely did not remember that. Royo says, cathexis, when I read the plot synopsis, I rolled my eyes since it's all been done before. But when I actually sat down to watch it, I found it strangely engaging despite the episode never really coming together. The Dark Matter Nebula was suitably creepy and the meetings in the dark about finding out that I couldn't trust anybody was uh, suitably effective. This episode actually reminds me heavily of the film Below from 2002 about a U.S. submarine in World War II that's haunted by a ghost and is forced on a course to return to the site where it was inflicted with a malediction. Oh, yeah. With the crew relying in the end on the advice of a superstitious comms officer, Weird Wally. The episode, much like the film below, was suitably entertaining with some creepy elements, but it never really gripped me due to a lack of intensity. Three psycho-spiritual treatments out of five. I remember absolutely nothing about that movie, but I do I do remember seeing it. You remember the logline. Christian Pouch says, not sure what to think of this one. The idea of an entity hopping bodies causing mayhem is great and it's all creepy, but there's not a, there's a lot of not good. Chicote being fixed off screen, Tuvok not coming under suspicion until the last second, the medicine wheel with magnets conveniently placed to line up with the planets. Three out of five, because despite the flaws, I wasn't bored and didn't check out, except when Neelix was talking. Brandon Hell says, I pretty much agree with James McLennan on this one. It's obvious Tuvok is lying, but I'm really annoyed by Neelix acting hysterical and jealous again. Two and a half cups, two and a half cup cups of cold prosciutto with lemon out of five. Woodrow says, this is the final comment, it would have been an interesting touch if they had let the spirit map left the spirit map up in sickbay for the rest of the show as an Easter egg. There's a lot going on, but not much to care about. Makes me miss the more measured early episodes. 
two out of five. Thanks, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about Cathexis. We appreciate it. We appreciate your support and your comments on this one. This one was kind of universal, I think. Everyone's, this is like a 2.5 for the patrons. I don't think anyone really went outside of that. Um, mm. I'll go first. I always ask you first what you want, uh, what you want to score. I'll go first with this one. Uh, this is another two for me. This is mm. uh, hits both my quotas of it's sort of fine, but there's a lot of weird stuff going on with it. And I also don't think I would ever really need to see this one again. It's kind of a skip if I was curating a list. It's the first one that I'd start skipping at this point. So uh, I'm going to give it a two out of five. It's probably... I think I liked it better than the Beowulf one, which is the only other episode I've given it to, but it's not really high on the season list so far. It's obviously the second worst to me after that one. Um, mm. So that's it. It is what it is. I don't know if the season's running out of gas after a fairly strong start, but we're towards the end and the the, the quality seems to be dropping a little bit. Two out of five for me. What say you? Um, I would, I would agree. I would also give it a two. Uh, I don't think it's terrible. Like, I actually, as I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, if I was doing a rewatch or just had this on, had Voyager on in the background while I was working, this wouldn't be one that I would skip. Because, um, you know, there's there's always something universally soothing about listening to people talk on a starship, mm-hmm. at least in the classic era of Star Trek. Uh, but yeah, I I don't I don't think I would ever watch this one again or recommend it or anything. So yeah, it's weird because the. The mystery is not irritatingly bad, you know? It's just kind of not... I think a lot of the patrons had the same problem. It's it's hard to grasp what's weird about this one. It's just It doesn't have something. There's something lacking in its execution or, like, the intensity that it needs or something like that. So is what it is. Good title, though. We both give it twos out of five... We're getting close to the end of the year for Voyager, the end of the season with Voyager, because the next episode is Faces, and I think it's only two more after that. So there's three episodes left in the season. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for supporting the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we get the hell out of here? Uh, thanks for checking out all of the other Patreon stuff, the Rotten Heart Picture Show, man, that I covering Stephen King, second string. May will be Cujo which I'm excited about because I don't think I've ever actually seen. I read the book in high school, but I've never seen I've never seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I they, they just recently announced that Sean, my co-host for Badass, and I will be writing a Red Hood comic book, Batman comic book. That'll be coming out in July. So if you want to see what we've been up to, ask your local comic book store to buy to get you a copy of... Batman White Knight presents the Red Hood. Red Two issue Hood. mini series coming out later this summer. Hmm. There you go. Check it out. Red Hood from the uh, Sean Murphy's White Knight. No, no. What's the official title of the is the universe called? I, just I think point. it's called the White Knight Universe. Is it called yeah. the White Knight Universe? Okay, yeah, that, that yeah. Lots sense. of lots of colons in these titles, though. It's yeah, that's... Batman colon White Knight colon. <laughs> the... <laughs> <laughs> There's no, I can't think of a supervillain that could actually play that play off of that. But once you get once you get to the third tier of colon, you're a, an MD at that point. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Faces is the next Star Trek Voyager episode. Check out Clint Sean's book coming out in July. Check out all the stuff on Patreon. And I think we're done with this one. Cathexis, thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we're in strange new worlds. I think at this point we must be Ooh. in Patreon. So. Hopefully we're happy with that. <laughs> we'll see. And maybe Clay, Star Trek Picard has had a miraculous last couple of episodes that has moved it from one of the worst TV shows yeah. I've ever seen into not one of the worst TV shows I've ever seen. Yeah, we'll yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, or I should say, it is. It has been interesting, super interesting. Strange new worlds and comparing it to Picard. Uh, haircut budget, I can tell, is different on Strange New Worlds because there are some interesting haircuts on that show I've seen from the trailers. So, yeah, hopefully we'll have more to talk about than haircuts. But we're bi- we're going to be big on haircuts, I assume, for a little while. It'll be like the opening mm-hmm. music discussion. Thanks, everybody. Texas. Next one is Faces. See you next week. <laughs>